Well, good morning, folks. Hope you're good. Hope you're doing well today. Glad to see all of you. Um, glad you're here. And I want to say especially happy Mother's Day to all the moms in the room. Uh, we literally would not be here without you. So we're glad that, that, uh, that you're here, glad you're in our life. And uh, I want to say happy Mother's Day to my mom who's sitting out here. Uh, has uh, sacrificed, done so much for me and, and my family, and, and just really appreciate her and, and my wife, who has been such a great mom and uh, wife and mom to our three boys. Um, I always tell people, especially I end up talking to a lot of young men who are coming into fatherhood, and you kind of get blindsided when you have your first child, and, and, you know, and it, it takes a lot. It's not like it's just easy. Um, and I always tell them, like, this is a season, you know, sleeping two, three hours a night. It's a season. And I'll tell them this, that parenting is the toughest, hardest, greatest thing you will ever do. Um, it's not easy, but it is so rewarding and so worth it. And so, moms, you have sacrificed so much for us. Um, I know it hasn't always been uh, easy for you, and, uh, but, but do want to honor you today and say thank you for all that you are and all that you've done uh, for us uh, in our lives. And so thank you very much. Um, today we're starting a series on pride. And so we're going to spend the next five weeks looking at pride. And we're going to take the one letter from the word pride and talk about some aspect of pride and how pride affects our life. Uh, maybe start to see pride a little bit different um, than maybe we have before, but also begin to understand its effects, but how to overcome uh, pride as well. And so today we're going to do that starting in Matthew chapter 23. If you'll turn there, Matthew 23, you're going to read verse 5 and then jump over into uh, verse 27 and 28. Matthew chapter 23. So this is Jesus speaking to a group of people named the Pharisees. He's speaking to a lot of people, but he's speaking about the Pharisees. The Pharisees were some of the religious leaders of the Jewish people. Uh, they were people who had really worked hard to make themselves right. They uh, did the right things, wore the right things, said the right things. They were always in the synagogue, their place of worship at the right time. They did all of these things, uh, and they really loved to, to have that, that show, that presentation of themselves as having it all together. And so this is who we're reading about uh, that Jesus is speaking to people about in this. Speaking about the Pharisees, he says everything they do is done for people to see. Over in verse 27, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You're like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of the bones of the dead and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside you're full of hypocrisy and wickedness. And on that uplifting passage of Scripture, let's pray and get into the message. Lord, I thank you this morning for your word, Lord, for reminding me, reminding us this morning that your word does not return void, but it accomplishes the purpose for which you send it. I thank you this morning that it's sharper than a double-edged sword. It pierces to the deepest parts of our being. I thank you that it's God-breathed, that it emanates from you, and it's useful for teaching and rebuking and correcting and training us in righteousness so that we'll be thoroughly equipped for every good work, every good work, Lord, that you prepared for us 
beforehand to do. Thank you, Lord, that when we were dead in our transgressions and sins, you made us alive in Christ. I thank you that you demonstrated your love for us, Lord, by dying for us, even while we were enemies. I thank you, Father, that today, for those of us who are in Christ, we are new creations. The old is gone and the new has come, Lord. I thank you for all of these great truths, and I pray today that we would anchor our souls in these truths. I want to encourage you even right now that we would begin to lift our minds, lift our hearts, begin to think about Christ. Encourage you to set your mind on Jesus, to see Jesus on the cross for you. To see Jesus resurrected and in new life for you. And even now that Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father making intercession for you. He sits on this throne as the King of kings and the Lord of lords who has no rival, he has no equal, he has no one who even comes close to comparing to him. He's never lost a battle. He's fighting for us, not against us. Father, I thank you for your love for us that emanates from you to us, Lord. Let us have our eyes open today to see that more clearly. Lord, I pray that the dark corners of our heart and lives that we've kept concealed, Lord, that today your light would shine in and begin to heal and make us whole. Father, whatever might be standing between us and who you've called us to be, Lord, today we command it to fall in Jesus' name, that we would be able to live the life you've created us for bring the glory to you that you desire and to share your love with others around us. Lord, we love you and we thank you today in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, in keeping with the Mother's Day theme and the baby bottle theme and all of this, I was thinking about this week um, when I was a new dad and from the point that my oldest son was born until the time that my youngest son quit drinking bottles it felt like for eight or nine years all I did was wash and make bottles it was just constant just making bottles making bottles and that was fine but some of you've had this experience um, of what happens when you leave that bottle in the sink for a minute maybe a, maybe a day or even worse you leave it in your car for a day or two in the middle of summer and then you take that bottle to go wash it. What happens when you open that bottle? It is nasty. It doesn't look so bad on the outside, but you crack that thing open, boy, and it will knock you to your knees. And even have the thought of like, is this safe for my kid to really be drinking this? Right? Because it smells so awful. But from the outside, you never know it. That's kind of what Jesus is saying about the Pharisees here. He's saying, look, you look really good on the outside, but on the inside, there's a lot of nasty stuff still there. There's a lot of nasty things that are still lurking around in your heart. He says, in fact, you're like these whitewashed tombs that have been doctored up and look real pretty. He says, but on the inside are dead bones. He's saying, you're still dead on the inside. The life of God is not in you. He's saying you look good on the outside, but on the inside, there's still some, a lot of things that need to be addressed. Here's the challenge for us today. 
we aren't much different. That we so often project an image that doesn't match what's on the inside of us. We, we look very different on the inside than we do on the outside. And we're talking about pride. I want you to notice what's in the middle of the word pride. Which letter? I. And there lies the issue. The issue of pride. The issue of the effects of pride. It doesn't exist in us because of the person next to us, the person we're living, whatever it is. It, it exists because of the person I see in the mirror every day. Because of what's going on inside of me. Pride exists. And it exists because of this unhealthy, and this is the definition of pride I would give you. It exists in this way. It manifests itself in this way as an unhealthy fixation with our own desires, our own image, and our own status. It's what we see with these Pharisees. They, they were all about their own desires. They were about their image. They were about their status. There was this unhealthy fixation on themselves. And we all wrestle and struggle with this. Here's the tragedy of pride in our life, this unhealthy fixation of my, on my desires, on my image, on my status. The effects of it is that it destroys relationships. The effects of pride is that it robs us of the life that God wants us to have. The effects of pride is that it keeps us from being whole and who God desires for us to be. It leaves us wounded and still living in pain and regret and shame and sin and doubt and condemnation. It does all of these things. And here's what I would tell you. If the fruit of pride is an unhealthy fixation on my own desires, my own image, and my own status, the root of pride is insecurity. A lot of times we think about pride being people who are arrogant, who, who are cocky, and that's true, right? That, that is pride. But if you show me a cocky, arrogant person, I'll show you an insecure person who's trying to cover up what's really going on inside of them with a facade. But that's not just it. Pride is any fixation that is unhealthy. A fixation on my, my own desires, my own image, my own status, trying to present myself as something that I'm not. It's any of those things. And here's the reason we do this. is because there's something innately in us that tells us that we don't measure up. And some of that is biblical truth, right? That we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We're not who we were intended to be. We're not righteous or as we ought to be. We're not what God designed us for. We literally missed the mark, what sin literally means. I've missed the mark. When God measures me now, I don't measure up in and of myself to who he created me to be. And there's something inside of us that innately tells us this truth. And we fight in our lives to be accepted. And many of us will do whatever it takes to feel accepted. We want that acceptance. So I'll do or say or live or be whatever I need to be to feel like I'm approved of by God, by others, or even by myself. Think about this. Why are there trends 
that go through our culture? Why are there fads that go through our culture? Why do all of a sudden things start shifting and people start conforming to a different way of dressing? And then you even have nonconformists who say, I'm not conforming to the culture. But then they're in a group, so they're conforming. You can't escape it. I went back and started looking at fashion through the decades. How many of you are old enough to have been around in the 60s and wore some of the fashion of the 60s? It's okay. You're still here. That's good. Nothing to be ashamed of. How many of you were rocking some bell bottoms in the 60s when they started getting popular on into the 70s? Y'all wore some weird stuff. You look back now and you're like, why did I do my hair that way? Why did I wear that? Like, what? You go into the 70s and you had the disco thing, right? The tight pants, still some bell bottoms that were being rocked and, and different things like that. You started getting some lamb chops that people were growing. You had all of that stuff going on. That's back when Tom Selleck and, and Burt Reynolds started unbuttoning their shirt way down and show some chest hair. It looked like a, couple, a family of squirrels lived up in there. And, and, and so all of this is going on, right? Then you come to the 80s. We lost our mind in the 80s. And here's the funny thing about it, y'all. The 80s is quite possibly the worst fashion decade in the history of mankind. And yet, if you start looking today, there are more fashion trends from the 80s starting to be worn again than any other decade. Like, there was a lot of denim in the 80s. How about some parachute pants? Who wore some parachute pants? Don't you lie up in church. I might have wore a pair myself. We started doing all, like, there's all kinds of crazy stuff happening. Then you come into the 90s. A lot of bright colors in the 90s. We liked a lot of stripes in the 90s, too. Striped shirts, striped dresses. You started seeing some of that. You, you start uh, thinking about the, the fashion from shows like uh, uh, Saved by the Bell. Come on, anybody Saved by the Bell? I didn't like it, but Susan did. Beverly Hills 90210. Y'all watch some of that? How about uh, Friends? Uh, some of y'all start crying. I start talking about Friends. But you see all these different styles and dresses. Why, why though, think about this. Why does this new trend come and then all of a sudden all of culture embraces it? Because we fit in. We have this desire to, to be accepted. And what makes me feel accepted, even if I kind of think it's weird, is I'm going to wear some big bell-bottom britches. Or I'm going to bleach my hair. Or I, whatever it might be. And so we start doing all of these different things because we want to fit in we want to be accepted and and we think that uh, this uh, kind of stops once we get up into an older age and and all of this but here it really never stops it really never does because what ends up happening is we end up trading our bell bottoms for button-ups right that's what we end up doing we start conforming to the the, the age group that we're in we start trading those sports and Things for salaries and jobs, trying to have the right one. We trade the school clubs for country clubs, and we try to have the right group around us, the ones who we feel accepted and the group we want to belong to. We start 
trading academia for suburbia, right? I mean, we, we kind of do that whole American dream thing. And it kind of just keeps perpetuating itself. And this need and desire for acceptance, this insecurity that's inside of me, drives me to build this life that I'm projecting, that it says I've got it, I'm accepted, I'm good, I'm whole, I'm right, look at me. But on the inside, we're dying. On the inside, we're struggling. On the inside, there are dark corners of our heart that we pray to God nobody ever finds out about. And we just keep them hidden so that I can feel secure in the acceptance of people around me. But all of those things become a burden that is so hard to carry. But I'm so scared that if I show the real me, if I show the real me, that they won't like me, that I won't like me, that God won't like me. And so I keep it hidden. I keep it tucked away, living a lie. Because I know on the inside, there are things that are broken, that need to be healed. But my pride, the insecurity that is at the root of that pride, will not let me come into the light so that I can be healed. I did this illustration a while back where... I talked about how different it is to know who we are in Christ and the security that comes from being in Christ and living an insecure life, constantly trying to make myself approved of. And I don't know if you remember this, if you were here, but I talked about the difference in a baseball and a tomato. And I told you, you know, even looking at the life of the Apostle Paul who penned these words, he said, I'm, I'm pressed but not crushed. And all of these things, these persecutions and beatings and flogging, shipwrecks, all of this stuff was happening in Paul's life. He was pressured to abandon the faith, and the churches he had started were pressured to abandon the faith. And he said, but I'm pressed, but I'm not crushed. And we talked about how this baseball is so different from a tomato because on the inside, it's solid. I can squeeze it as hard as I want to squeeze, and yet it never changes. The pressures from the outside do not change the shape of this baseball. But then you look at a tomato, and the tomato is very, very different. This tomato's got a little bit of a thick skin around it, a little bit of a tough skin, not much. But on the inside, it's mush. On the inside, if I said, this is kind of dangerous, I, I got splattered in uh, the 9 o'clock, but here we go. On the inside, though, if I begin to squeeze this tomato, what happens? I don't like sticky stuff. And if we're honest, guys, if we're honest, our life looks a lot more like this on the inside than it does like this. The problem is we don't want anybody to know that. And not wanting anybody to know that and being unwilling to show that is what keeps us in this state. When we look at this, I would liken it to this. We know, we know, as I said earlier, 
innately, we know this, that I am much more like this tomato than I am a baseball. And so this is what I do. I put this shell around my life and encapsulate it so that you don't see the real me. And we think, if I can do this, I'll be okay. And this shell becomes pride. This is what this is. This is me hiding who I really am. This is me projecting an image. This is me still completely focused on myself and fixated with my own status and image, my own desires so much that I want to present to you a me that isn't really me. And so I live my life like this. And something tells us that if I can just hold on to this, I'll be okay. I'll get okay. But that's not true at all. It's not by building a shell around our heart that we're made okay. It's actually by allowing God to break that shell open and to shine his light and his love into us. See, here's the thing. Here's Every one of us battle with this to some degree. Every one of us wrestle with this to some degree. For some of us, this is such a part of our life now that we don't even realize it. It's somewhere deep in the dark part of our subconscious that, that we are putting out this, this facade and this front to cover the insecurity so much that it has become who we are so much that we don't even realize it. But here's the good news. God can expose that. It's one of the reasons the Pharisees didn't like Jesus a whole lot. Because he exposed what they were faking. He forced them to look at what was going on inside of them. And today, I would love for you to take a look at what's going on inside. What is happening in my heart that's keeping me from being able to be whole? What is it in my life that causes me to be ensnared by the fear of man and, and this, this fear and insecurity is robbing me of life and wholeness and even damaging the relationships around me that keeps you from being able to really know someone and be known. You've built this shell around your heart and around your life and we try to present this righteous as I ought to be facade. The good news is this, guys. You can deal with the insecurity in your life and you can overcome the pride that keeps you trapped and robs you of life. The Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 3, he was talking about all the ways he had made himself righteous and this person he had created himself to be. And he says this, so he says, but I consider all of it garbage to know Christ. And he says this, and to be found in him. And he goes on and he says, not having a righteousness of my own, but a righteousness that comes by faith in Jesus. Here's the good news today. You can escape this. The, the weight of this can be lifted off of you, but it can't be lifted off of you as long as you're walking around with this shell. At some point, we've got to get real with God. 
And we've got to realize that the righteousness that God offers is so much better than the righteousness I can build for myself. The acceptance that God gives is so much greater than the acceptance I can give you or you can give me. And to know that I am found in him is enough. See, moms, you're under all this pressure all the time because we got this thing called Instagram and Facebook. And you got all these moms that are like, hey, let me show you how great my life is today. But you do realize it's not like that. You don't see, you see the best part of their lives. But what does that do? It builds an insecurity in you. It tells you you're not good enough. And you're doing everything you can to make it right, to do, to do everything you know to do. Dad, you're doing the same thing. Those of you who are in your job, you're doing the same type of stuff. I'm doing the best I can, but I still know I come up short. I'm not perfect. But that's where Jesus steps in. And he fills in that gap that is huge. And he gives us a righteousness. He makes us as we ought to be because we can never make ourselves as we ought to be. And he speaks a better word over us than we could ever think about speaking over ourselves. And when the Father looks at you, he sees the righteousness of Jesus. You are as you ought to be in Christ. There's nothing to hide anymore. I can let Jesus into the dark areas of my life the Holy Spirit into the dark areas of my life. I can let the truth define who I am because I'm no longer bound by the good that I can do. I'm totally wrapped up in the righteousness of Jesus. It's exactly the opposite of what we typically do. See, I don't, I don't deal with pride and insecurity. I don't become solid like that baseball by walking around with this fake life, this shell around my life, presenting this altar person, this different person to people. It's exactly the opposite. What has to happen is I have to finally come to this place of being vulnerable enough to allow God to look into my mess. I have to realize that God is not this old man with a gray beard and a stick that he's just wanting to hit me over the head with. But he's a loving father that runs to the prodigal and embraces him and kisses him and begins to restore him and make him whole. And we've got this image of God that's all wrong. He is righteous and just and holy. And there is a price to pay for our sin. But when we're in Christ, the price has been paid. And I can be secure in who I am. No matter what the world tells me, I know who I am because I'm found in him. Being found in him is so much greater than the identity that I can shape and create for myself. This righteousness that I can fake and try to pull off on people. We've got to come to a place of vulnerability where we finally take the shell and the shell begins to crack and God begins to work and God begins to heal because the shell has broken off of our heart, off of our life. And see, I know this firsthand. Many of you have heard me tell the story about my salvation, April 1st of 2000, the day that God changed my life forever. And 
what some of you haven't heard is what happened two hours before that that set me up to receive the gospel, to receive Christ. Two hours before I gave my life to the Lord. I'm in a chapel on this retreat, and there's probably six rows, seven rows of chairs in this chapel, and there's an altar at the front, and I'm sitting on the very last row right in the middle. And they come in and they tell us this. I didn't want to be there. I was full of pride and arrogance. I had wanted nothing to do with God. And they come in and they tell us, we're going to have you come up to the altar and pray. Strike one. I didn't want to pray. I didn't want to be there. Then they said, not only are we going to ask you to pray, but we're going to ask you to pray out loud. Strike two. Uh Uh-uh. And not only are we going to ask you to pray and pray out loud, but we're going to ask you to confess your sins. Strike three, I'm out. And I'm sitting there, and some guys start going up there and praying. I'm like, they're actually doing this. And I hear the men around me, they begin to sniffle, and they're crying. And I'm literally sitting there looking around going, what in the world is happening right now? And then this guy on the end of the row I'm sitting on reaches down and picks up a box of tissues and they're passing it down and every guy's like pulling out tissues and they're like nodding and passing it on and it gets to me and I'm like, am I in the room with a bunch of men or women? What is happening here? And I just passed it on down. I'm like, let's just get this over with. And as I'm sitting there, so full of pride and and this image that I built for myself and this projection that was a lie. I'm sitting there and my, one of my brother-in-laws was about midways of the, 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 the rose. And I'm like, certainly he's not going to do this, right? And so I'm sitting there and he gets up and he goes out and he gets up there. And when he began to pray, he actually began to pray and he began to confess things. And he began to to, to share his heart and open his heart up. The only thing I can tell you that happened, and it's the Holy Spirit is the only thing it could have been. As he began to speak, that shell and and this life and this hardness that I built around my heart began to break off. And it began to fall. And what I realized was behind all of that was still this scared kid who was still back in elementary school somewhere trying to make himself okay. And all of that stuff fell. And I began to weep. And I tell people the first lesson in humility for me was when I had to ask for the tissues back. And in that moment, something happened. About two hours later, a guy comes in. He starts talking about sin. There's still something in me that's resisting it and rejecting it. And about the time I'm ready to leave, God speaks to me and says, why don't you shut up and listen? And I realized in that moment that all I had to do is turn, and he would receive me, and he would heal me, and he would make me whole. And that boy runs into the arms of a God who still loved him. think about that and I think about how many times that's happened even since then 
I'm still trying to build this up. I, I would take things and I would just stuff it inside and, and I do this. I just put it inside and I try to just tuck it in there. And, and yet it just gets too big. It gets too much. And at some point I just have to come to the Father and I just have to say, God, break through this mess and heal me. This morning, I'm down here, and I'm just worshiping, and I started realizing I've been doing this a lot lately. I've just been stuffing things in. I've been stuffing these worries and concerns and fears and all of this stuff that's been going on. I've been stuffing the, the, the concern for things I have with people in my life and things that are going on and just stuffing it in. And I came to this point this morning where I knew, like, I've got to let this go. And I want to encourage you today that you would do the same thing. The Apostle John wrote this. He said that when Jesus came into the world, he says he was full of life. And that life is the light of mankind. And he says the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Are you willing to bring that stuff into the light? Are you willing to open your heart and be vulnerable and let God bring healing and restoration into your life? Are you willing to trust what he says about you and not be so concerned and allowing the fear of man to keep you ensnared? There's a story in Matthew, Mark, and Luke about a man with a shriveled hand in a synagogue, his place of worship. And it's on the Sabbath, it's their holy day. And so Jesus is there and they're watching to see if he will heal this man. And Jesus calls this man with this withered hand. He calls him, he says, come stand in front of everybody. And he looks around and these religious people are still trying to just catch him in this. Will he actually heal on the Sabbath? It was considered a sin to do any work on the Sabbath. And Jesus is really angry. The, the Bible, the word the Bible used for disturbed, it means like he is churning in his spirit because they are so blind to why he's really there. And Jesus looks at the man and he says, stretch out your hand. And we know from scripture that the man had two hands. So he's faced with a choice in this moment. He could have reached out his good hand. He could have presented the best part of him and acted like everything was fine. But instead, he chose to reach out the withered hand. He was willing to be vulnerable, not only to stand up in front of everything, not only to receive the scorn of the Pharisees, but to reach out the worst part of him and say, here it is, Jesus, heal it. And the Bible says that it was restored just as healthy as the other one. My challenge to you today is are you willing to open up, to let the Holy Spirit break that shell so that you can receive wholeness and healing? You can begin that path towards what God has called you to. Some of you have been carrying this burden for so long, it's heavy. Yet, this is what Jesus said. I want you to hear not my words. I want you to hear the words of Jesus 
to those who were carrying this constant pressure, carrying this darkness, carrying this condemnation, carrying this shame. Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He said, take my yoke upon you. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. And today Jesus is saying the same thing to you. Come to me, come to me, come to me. And that's what we're going to do right now. The Bible tells us that if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. For some, we have some sin, some dark areas of our heart we need to come and bring to the Lord. For some of us, we've got some heaviness that we've been carrying. For some of us, there's just different things that have been weighing on us. Some of you have been stuffing things inside for so long. Today is the day that the dam breaks and that the light shines in. I want to ask you right now, would you come to him right now? Come for prayer. Come up here. We're going to pray. We're about to sing and we're going to pray. And we're going to pray for you because many of us need this today. You need to be set free from what's been holding you back, what's been ensnaring you, the condemnation, the sin, and the shame. So even right now with lights up and everybody looking around, I don't care. Let's be vulnerable enough to say, Jesus, here's the worst part of me, and you come and heal me. I'm asking you to get up and move, and we're going to pray, and we're going to take Jesus at his word. And we're going to believe that healing is going to happen in the hearts and minds and bodies and souls of many people today. I'm just telling you, you come. You stick out the withered hand and let Jesus begin to heal you. Let the Spirit begin to work in you. I'm going to push a little bit harder, not because I want to see just to have, a, have, a, have some kind of event up here. No, no, no. But because I know there are people right now who are sitting in the seat who feel like your butt is literally sewn to that seat, and you know that you need prayer. And the best thing you can do is get out of your seat and come say, Lord, would you heal me? Don't let, don't let this, this time go by. This is a divine moment for you. You come and we're going to pray and you come.